Chapter 50 Thief Girl Henley slept in a room fit for a radiant. He had been plied with drafts made by Finta Song, whom Kyla had fetched as soon as she'd delivered Marlowe and Henley to her enlightened private quarters atop the citadel. The old woman had not been difficult to find, for she sat at the bedside of her sister, the voluptuary. That woman had not awakened from her sleep since Kyla had ripped out the Hargus mental knot. Kyla now sat across from the monarch in her audience chamber. The fire burned pleasantly in the hearth, though, as usual here, the window was open. The monarch wore her blue gown, silver belt slanting across her slim waist. Her hair was pulled back and spiked into a loose bun. She held the jade fish in her hands, fingers turning it and turning it as she regarded Kyla. Marlowe stood, hands clasped in front of him. Highest Quiv had a chair which befitted his station. His face was drawn, a great bruise marring one side, apparently received when attempting to leave the abbey. Kyla's destruction of the cathedral had nearly crushed him and Eeples under the flying rubble. Penny sat on the floor with Nax in her lap. She stroked the cat's body, head to tail, in long sweeps of her hand. Her sightless eyes looked at nothing. A service of tea had gone untouched on the side table. Marlowe cleared his throat. I have his staff in my quarters, the voluptuary's bani as well. His queller was back on his finger. Kyla didn't know what to make of him. He was a scoundrel deep inside, but she trusted him. Her enlightened, on the other hand, Kyla wasn't sure she trusted that woman at all. Why did you leave me with the Hargith? Together we could have killed him easily. A voice came from across the room. Jill, a rather cool-eyed woman, with the unmistakable swagger of an experienced shadline. She listened and obeyed, something you often do by instinct, and it seems you just as frequently ignore it to everyone's detriment. Kyla didn't want a lecture from anyone, much less from a woman she'd just met. You will learn, the monarch said softly. I do not blame you for your ignorance. That is my fault. I thought sending you to the garden was the right course. Perhaps I misheard the whisperings. But now we are in the irreversible present. Dunmeadow Cathedral has been half destroyed. The citizens watched you resurrect two people, saw you fly, felt your golden voice compel their obedience. You usurped me in my own city. I didn't mean to. What did you mean to do? To kill him, nothing more. At the cost of hundreds of lives. Captain Letishki reports at least 230 dead, not including those lost in the blasted quarter. I have reports that two Thinny encampments were crushed during that calamity, killing more than 70 women and children. Highest Quiv, what was the toll at the cathedral? We were fortunate. Only 30 acolytes and donesmasters killed. The damage was mostly confined to the cathedral. He didn't meet Kyla's gaze. One of her stray balls of blue fire destroyed a row of houses in Terracide just outside the plaza, Jill said. Not the behavior one expects of a shadline. Personal grudges are a severe weakness of character. You call it a personal grudge? Kyla said, sullen and irritable. How was it different than the city's justice? Let your mind be raped and then tell me of grudges. I don't need to test my oath any more than it is being tested by sitting in this room with you, girl. 
Jill, please, her enlightened said. Antagonizing the highest of kill is not wise. Are you mocking me, Majesty? Carla said. Not at all. I owe a personal debt to you, for you saved my life. Perhaps your actions also saved the city. But I am not certain of that. I am certain that the city's justice you mentioned was not done today. I had hoped to cool the building rage and fear by giving it a focus and release in the execution of the murderer Tim Hamilton. Alas, Marlowe cleared his throat. I do have good news. Based on a few exploratory efforts of my own, it appears the Hargus force bonds unraveled with his death. That is good news indeed, the monarch said. But we must study the technique and learn to ward ourselves in the future. I watched the voluptuary restore the bond on the trapper on the execution platform. I saw exactly what she did. I had hoped she would attempt the same on me, for that would have given me a chance to reach through to the Hargath himself. Is that why you let her stab you? Feeling a tiny sprout of respect emerge. Partially. But mostly, I listen and obey. My instinct told me to wait. My eyes were pulled to a rooftop, and then you came alight. A glory to behold, you descending from on high, an aura of golden light around you. Jill, do you have the paper? The woman jangled across the room and put a roll of paper into the monarch's hand, who in turn offered it to Kyla. It was a hastily scrawled message. SB2 reports, leaflet from Garden Isle. Image of bald girl in kill's crown, animal behind. Behold, highest of kill, Kyla Sai, the merculin who flies. How did this get here so quickly? Kyla demanded. Any ship leaving Garden Island with one of those leaflets would still be two months from Starside. A ship stopped at Sea Bastion 2, bearing a stack of leaflets. The Sea Bastion commander immediately relayed this message here, as was her duty. You don't need to worry, Kyla said. There is no way of kill, and there never will be. I'm not summoning kill. And with the Hargath dead, Demkisk is over. Marlowe shook his head, face sad. Her enlightened eyes gleamed with unshed tears. Jill scoffed and jangled back to slump in her corner seat. But it was Penny who spoke. Demkisk has always been born, from seed to blade to seed again. Red are the blades of the dying age. I see them waving beneath the sun. This is prophecy to the gods, not from them. Words cannot contain nor the mind apprehend the unconscious will of time. The force of destiny has meter, but alas, no rhyme. In one swift motion her enlightened move to grasp the child's cheeks. Penny's face had flushed bright red as she spoke, her voice raspy with the effort. Who speaks? the monarch demanded. What is your name? Penny opened her eyes, which had gone pure black all the way across. She sucked in a shaking breath. I am Roya Reth. Highest Quiv was crouching near her now. Jill had her blade out, ready in case any heads needed lopping. Roya Reth, Quiv said. Clarify your prophecy. Highest Flay is dead. You need not obfuscate the truth. Penny began to shake. 
Nax meowed and slipped off her lap, tail flicking. She is gone, Nax sent. Where? I don't know. Speak, Reth, the monarch urged. Penny's mouth opened wide as if to gag. But out came words, not in her voice, but of a different sort of child, dreamy and at peace. Beware, allies. Embrace, spies. Trust in lies. Dem kisk, rise. Penny shuddered, then wilted into her enlightened arms. The monarch pressed her forehead to the child's and whispered softly. She eased the girl onto her back and arranged her arms across her chest. She sleeps. I fear it will be a long night for her. The spirit of this royal wrath called from very far. It would take a toll on anyone. But what does it mean? Highest Quiv said angrily. Why can't she speak plainly? Marlow manifested a blanket from somewhere. He tenderly covered Penny with it. It claims to be Roya Reth, but we have no proof of that. It was her, the monarch said. Marlow, please write down her words for me. I believe they are a fate's piece, especially that last bit. She shared a glance with Jill, who stood over them all, still holding her blade. Kyla and Nax went to Penny. The girl was breathing softly. The flush had gone out of her cheeks. Whoever Roya Reth is, she's wrong. Demkisk is over. The Hargath is dead. You are ignorant, Jill said. Kyla didn't have the chance to voice a rebuke because Flaumishdak chose that moment to arrive. She noted that he kept his murkus green haze in check. Ali immediately leapt down from his arms to go cuddle with Nax next to Penny. Her enlightened stood, flaring with murkus. The beast towered over the woman, but held out placating, if clawed, hands. Peace, Dragnathan, peace. I come bearing ill tidings for you and me. Speak and be gone. Jill had her sword up as she circled to get behind the beast. Flamishdak paid her no notice. The Domainic realms are ringing with a summons. A court of night forms in Serenhel. But the Hargath is dead, Kyla said. Flamishdak flicked an angry glare at her. He was allied with Dragnathan Yathazandra. She already holds kill within her. The Hargath may be dead, but a worse hand shall now guide Kill into this world. The righteous order the Hargath sought to impose would be a paradise compared to Yoth's aims. Who is Yoth? Kyla demanded. A domain like me, the monarch said. A Dragnathan. She flew beneath the stars, and her heart is as black as moonless midnight. All of night will come to her call. They will, Flamishdak said, and day is weak. Such dragons are few enough, and the heart of man already sinks into twilight. I would think you delighted, Marlowe said. Has your time among men infected you with a conscience? Bah, speak not such silly things. My interests do not lie with night any more than they do with day. I would have them in contention for eternity if I could, for the shadows are where I play. Shadows sound like night to me, Highest Quiv said. Have you ever seen a shadow where there is no light? Flamishtak rejoined. No, 
The monarch clicked her tongue and returned to her seat, face recomposing to equanimity. She locked eyes with Kyla. It falls to you, highest of kill. Dem Kisk is here. I don't know what you two woolheads are yammering about. Just banish this Yatha Zifra back to hell and be done with it. Yatha Zandra, girl, the monarch corrected. Highest Quiv, have you read of Yoth in your studies? He must have, for his face had gone white. He raised a trembling hand to his brow. I have indeed, Majesty, I have. I had thought her a creation of imaginative historians. If what this domain says is true, does any hope remain? If she bears kill within her, then all is already lost. Her enlightened look to Jill. Flamishtak bears dire tidings. But I think the Shadline would hear nothing but silence if all hope were lost. Jill says an armory has been called. I shall attend. And you should too, Kyla. How long do we have, Jill? A ten-day, perhaps? The armory will, of course, begin when the dearth feels its time. No sooner, no later. A knock came at the door. Two fell guardsmen entered after a brief delay. They bore Kyla's backpack. She leapt up, furious. That's mine. You better not have... They didn't open it, I assure you, the monarch said. I merely asked them to collect your things from the Pelene Great House. You will not return there. I'll go where I... You will not return there. The gold on the woman's voice dropped Kyla back into her seat. The striking thing about it was that she did not use any Mercus power. It wasn't a feat, but something else entirely. And Kyla had done the same recently. Shock undercut her outrage. There is a Shadline blade in that sack, Jill said. I can smell it. That'd be Shanane, Kyla said. A keepsake from Garden Island. Her enlightened closed her eyes and let out a sad laugh. Jill merely tilted her head and glared at Kyla for using such an offhanded tone. Flaumestak laughed. It's a shifty blade, Kyla said, standing again. She took the pack from the guardsmen, peripherally noting that neither man left. Perhaps it was the fact that Jill had bare steel in the presence of her enlightened. The Shadline seemed to realize this and quickly sheathed her blade. Kyla pulled out the history of Elysian she'd taken from Kill's library back at the Garden Tower. She moved to flop it onto the seat she'd vacated, but Quiv snatched it from her hand. Next came the blank journal. Marlowe snatched this as she tried to toss it to the floor. Her bag of coin came next. She held it up in a sort of toast motion to the monarch. Thank you again for this. I wish I'd had more chance to spend it. Finally, she retrieved Shanane. It's been called Bone Chill for a while. Highest Flay had it. It's been in the Tower Reliquary since the Synod, Highest Quiv said. We did not know its true identity. I don't recommend letting yourself be stabbed with it, Kyla said, handling the sheathed blade to the monarch. Feels terrible. Jill's eyes widened. And you survived it? With help from Henley Mast. You understand now why I feel indebted to him? The blade has a rather simple perpetual mercus bolt infused into it that freezes the body. It's slow enough that a skilled merculin can reverse it with proper negation. Her enlightened studied the blade, then handed it to Jill. The shadline held it reverently. Her face changed momentarily, shading to greed. The woman mastered it, then quickly returned the blade to Kyla. Dangerous to one of weak will. I recommend you not bear it. 
Why would I? I already have a Shadline blade. It seeks its mates, the monarch said. You are as good a bearer as any, I suspect. We'll discuss all that during your training. Flamishtak, Karlisai needs instruction. The beast said, I will happily continue our lessons, but then you will come when she summons you. There was no question in the statement. You are excused. Flamishtak held out a hand and Ali returned to his arm. Wait, Kyla called. What did you do to Benny Keel and Startle? Who? Kyla was tempted to blast the feigned innocence off his face. Instead, she said, Startle is Ali's littermate. He recently bonded to Benny Keel after she murdered a man in Cheapskate. Oh, her. She looks a bit like you, plumper, more hair. I removed her from the board. Call it a contingency. What does that mean? Kyla said. She took a step toward the towering domain, no longer intimidated by his fearsome face. Tell me where Startle is. Another realm, one as far from this one as I could take him. Her enlightened was fuming, too. What have you done, Yasnathan? What sort of contingency are you talking about? The Felnathel must be preserved, no? No matter what happens here, they must endure. I have ensured it. Even should Kyla destroy this world and all of the seventeen domainic realms, the Felnathel will endure. It was the most ingenuous thing the beast had ever said in Kyla's presence. Nax? He speaks true. But what does he mean? Just what he says. Ali meowed impatiently. Flamishtak bowed to Nax, then up went his fist, and he vanished. What do you make of that? Kyla said to no one in particular. But nobody had any answers, and apparently her enlightened wasn't capable or willing to compel the domain to talk. The monarch waved a hand in dismissal. Jill, you will train Kyla in the use of her blade. Yathazandra has not won. She is close, but she has not secured dominion over this world. Highest Quiv, you must return to the cathedral and make an inspection of the mines there. Be absolutely sure the Hargath's knots have been unraveled. I will see to Paul and Ori. Marlow, the city is in chaos. Summon Captain Latishki and Radiant Gylock. We must clear the debris immediately. I also require an inventory of the city's stores of grain, cheese, wine, preserved meat, potatoes, and the like. Marlow nodded and dry-washed his hands. Majesty, may I ask war, Tan Marlow. Starside must be prepared to send supplies and men north. The Hargath was surely recruiting the Nazg. Yoth will use them. But if Yoth brings forth kill, what use will she have for armies? he asked. Kyla thought it an excellent question. What do you imagine kill will be on that first day? Born into this world, he must needs be a babe. Yoth will seek to gift him the world when he comes of age and fully ascends to godhood. His feeding alone will require millions of lives, and he will suckle upon the bloodshed of war. Kyla gave vent to her building frustration. Then what purpose was I ever to serve in bringing him here? How was I to get with Domainic Child? That was what you wished me to do, wasn't it? Were you going to mate me to a domain the way you might a prized pig? Her enlightened didn't answer at all except to stare at Kyla. You were. I suppose I shouldn't be surprised. 
by Kilstrob and Handel. That's a mighty low thing to do to a girl, to anyone. Kyla repacked her backpack with vicious grabs and stuff of her coin bag, her tome, snatched from Quiv's greedy grip, and Shanane. On the way out, she spotted her blank journal in Marlowe's hands, the one Eeples had been sketching his map in. She reached for it. Since you surely have proper maps, I'll be having that back. The man didn't let go of it. Kyla yanked and it slipped to the floor where it struck spine first. The covers flopped open. The pages slowly slid to one side, stopping at Eeple's map. Kyla bent to retrieve it, but Marlowe was there first, not merely grabbing, but on his knees, hands pressing it down. Wait, lass, he said, voice full of wonder. Did you see? He carefully turned past the main map and past Eeple's Dursland wheel symbol sketches. Finally, he stopped. On the left page was a simple drawing, sketchy but elegant. A man with a two-handed sword tipped down. Next to him was the same man, prone, head a little distance from his body. That's not Eeple's hand, Quiv said, peering over Marlowe's shoulder. The others in the room moved to surround them where they knelt, looking at the image. Even the monarch was bending over to see. Marlowe turned the page, and there, spread across two leaves, was another sketched map. That is not Heeple's work, either. See how the ink is poor, brown, and thin? The symbols. Marlowe raised his eyes first to Quiv, then moved to Kyla's. This is a map of sigil tyne, and these. He traced a finger along paths leading from the city to end in arch symbols. Virgit passes. Every page of this journal was blank when I found it, Kyla said. If Heeple's didn't put this in here, who did? He didn't have an answer. Nobody did. It, it is a fate's piece, Jill said. Of that there can be no doubt. The force of destiny still moves us upon the board. Hope is fading like the last rays of the day, but the light has not yet gone out of the world. Kyla moved away from the circled group, then left the room, Nax pacing alongside her. She found Henley awake, if a bit bleary-eyed from one of Finta Song's concoctions. The old woman had returned to the baths to tend to her sister. Kyla sat on the edge of Henley's bed. He'd been washed up and lay contentedly amidst the finest bed linens a monarch could demand. Huff slept in a ball beneath the covers. Kyla smiled at Henley and took his hand. He squeezed back with surprising strength. It appears that it isn't over, she said without preamble. To this he merely raised an eyebrow, a sarcastic look. The Hargath isn't dead? Oh, he's dead, but the end of the world still comes, if you believe her enlightened and flamishtack. I honestly can't summon much will to care about it. You look tired, thief girl. Nax jumped onto the bed and gingerly found an opening through which to join Huff. Taking her cue from the cat, Kyla lowered herself next to Henley reached her arm across his chest and held him close. He winced a bit, but when she tried to pull away, he wouldn't let her. They lay there a long time in the quiet, listening to muffled cat purrs. I heard you, Henley. In the plaza when the Hargath had you under his will shift. I heard you. I told you the truth. I will always tell you the truth. He had called her 
my love. Lifting herself to one elbow, she studied his face. Finta had kept the murkus light mostly shaded. In the darkness, his bruises weren't so terrible. She could see the contours of his face. A slightly wide nose, full lips, a high brow. A fine face, youthful but at the same time drained of innocence. He looked back at her, unblinking, unafraid. How come I can hear Fallow egging me on in my mind, he asked. Kyla laughed through her nose. What sort of trouble is he trying to get you into now? Instead of answering, Henley put his hand to her cheek, urged her face down, and pressed his lips to hers. She discovered she wanted the kiss, wanted the closeness, wanted the warmth that spread into her chest. This wasn't the urgent passion she'd felt with John, but it wasn't a chaste kiss. This was not brotherly affection, and though he trembled, he was not tentative. When they parted for breath, he looked a question at her, brows knit. He wasn't asking her to call him my love in return. He wasn't asking for more than that kiss. Had he been less injured, she might have given him more. As for love, who could say? All she knew for certain was that Jean was gone from her life, from her mind, and now from her heart. What Henley asked for with that look was the exact thing Jean wouldn't allow. But Kyla would. Yes, Hen, the bond can stay. But let's make it go both ways. His lips returned to hers and their mercusine rose, and deep in their minds a force bond unwound and a new one settled in place. Can you hear me? She sent even as his mouth fit to hers. I can. And across the bond he sent a feeling of how her lips felt against his, how her fuzz of hair tickled under his palm, and with that sensation, too, how he felt about her. It was love, warm, unshakable. Finally he withdrew, weariness overriding his eagerness. Kyla lay there with him, one hand on the blanket lump that was Nax. The Hargath was dead. Kill was coming. Kyla could leave now, dimensed to Cheapskate, buy passage on a ship. She could dimense to the Durslin wheel and choose any column at random. They'd never find her. But she wouldn't leave Henley. She wouldn't abandon Penny. She wouldn't abandon Dunyeeples or Marlow or Quiv. Nor would she abandon Starside, the city that had raised her, formed her into what she was. And that meant she would stay. And staying meant she would fight. Above the citadel a raven circled. Snow steamed from its wings as it soared. It called its dire warnings, a sound that carried over the wind, through windows, into bedchambers. Those who heard it tapped their ears three times and said, Die, raven, die. Those who did not shivered and checked to make sure their windows were fastened tightly. Perhaps they added another stick to the fire to ward off the chill. The raven did not call for them, but for one. Rise, Kailasai, rise. The End of The Shadline Rises 
The story continues in Fortress of Shadow. Hi, it's Eric, your narrator and author of Starside Saga. Thank you so much for listening and sticking with the program for this long. This has been a labor of love. There is no advertising and no sponsors. If you want to show your support, I've mentioned it many times, but now's as good a time as any. And you could just go and buy the next book in the series, Fortress of Shadow. It's available on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, um, Apple. It's also available in paperback. And if you really, really love uh, what I've done here, buy all my books. I've got a young adult science fiction series called Bigfoot Galaxy, which is about Bigfoots as high-tech aliens that live under mountains. And a group of troubled teens stumbles upon them and finds themselves embroiled in an intergalactic war. You may enjoy my best-selling series, The Scion Chronicles, a young adult dystopian series about clones who have been grown in order to have their minds overwritten by their aged progenitors. It's a story about figuring out who you are, fighting for survival, and the importance of friends. If you like thriller novels with a slightly young adult twist, check out Polar Midnight under my pseudonym Eric Shaw, A-R-I-C, S-H-A-W, which is a one-off right now, but I may write another one in the future, about a billionaire's daughter who has to save her father on the bleak Alaskan oil fields against invading Russian mercenaries. Uh, there's a lot of shooting, a lot of action. It's pretty nonstop, and it's a great read. You can get The Scion Chronicles and Polar Midnight professionally narrated, not by me, on Audible. I will see you next week with Chapter 1 of Fortress of Shadow.